This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good afternoon, GYC. For those of you who are remaining here for the seminar, we're going to start. We don't have much time. And so we are going to go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Those of you that are exiting, if you can exit as quietly as possible, that would be wonderful. And the rest of us will bow our heads together in prayer. Let us pray. Mighty God, everlasting Father, we are so grateful for the gift of life the gift of your word, the gift of the Holy Spirit to understand that word and to apply that word to our lives and to transform us by that word. We pray in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, that in the name of Jesus you would banish every unclean spirit from this place and that in his name you may speak to us this afternoon, that you may change us, that you may inspire us. This is our prayer, and we trust that you will help this to be our experience. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. The title of our final session is Cross Movement. I want it to matter that I lived. I want it to matter that I lived. There is a website that is very common and very popular. It's called imatternot.com. imatternot.com. And the whole purpose of this website is to allow people to anonymously write, why does your life suck? That's what the website says. It's completely anonymous and people type, and I'd just like to read a couple entries to you if that's okay. It says, I'm 41. I have never been on a date. I've been asked, but every single time it was just a cruel joke. I am fat and ugly and worthless garbage. Ask anybody. I'm the original doormat. I am put down and laughed at by everyone. I left my job to care for my mom full-time since her stroke, leaving, living off my retirement funds and selling my belongings. My siblings don't care that it's killing me. They all have lives of their own. I am deeply depressed, but if I try to talk about it, my family calls me selfish. I cry all night. I have migraines. I was hospitalized when my gallbladder ruptured and nobody cared. My sisters were angry because they had to help mom while I had surgery. I just give up on this world. It doesn't get better. All my life I was ignored, picked on, lied to, pushed aside and laughed at. I help everyone but nobody helps me. My so-called friends stole from me and talked about me behind my back. My boss dumped tons of work on me from other departments and took credit for my work. 
Anytime I stood up for myself, it just made things worse. I prayed so hard and so long for God to help me, but I think he's laughing at my pain too. I'm used up, burnt out, exhausted and miserable. I just want to die. I just want to lay down and close my eyes and cease to exist. I don't even care if there is an afterlife or not. I just want it all to stop. I'm so very tired. I matter not dot com. You see, a person created this website, and this is the most recent entry into this website because people want it to matter that they lived. People want it to matter that they have existed. They want to know that when they traverse the sands of time, it won't be washed away by the oceans that follow them. You see, there is a book put out by Lynn Lancaster and David Stillman. It was called The M Factor. This was about four or five years ago. And they were discussing the issue of the millennial generation and how to make sense of them in the business world. And they said, you can divide the world into four different generations that are currently living on the earth, which now it's five, but this book is a little bit old. It says people who were born before 1946, they were called the traditionalists. They were called the what? Traditionalists. And their whole idea of finding purpose in life was to make a better future for those that they love. And their children were called the baby boomers, 1946 to 1964, the most educated generation. And the way that they found meaning in life was to achieve success in meaningful roles of society so that they could institute change. Their children were Generation X, 1965 to 1981. There's a lot of debate on those dates, but that's roughly what it comes down to. This generation said, we need to find meaning and purpose in life beyond our work. So this is the generation that was obsessed with hobbies extreme sports, family vacations, and major travel. And their children looking at their parents taking family vacations, but this is the most connected generation. Because as they go onto social media, as they watch the news, as they find videos being shared by their friends, they discover that mom and dad, it's hard to sit here on a beach in Thailand at a five-star resort when I know that just on the other side, boys and girls are being sold for sex. They're a generation that is looking for purpose, but they're the only generation that has no agreed-upon answer of how to find meaning in life. You see, they said that meaningful, meaningful work is a must-have for a millennial. They want to partner with their parents they want to partner with their teachers. They want to partner with their pastors. And their predominant concern is a search for purpose. They say that the millennials, they want to make a difference in the world because people want it to matter that they lived. 
The millennials said that they want to feel that they are contributing to some greater purpose or some greater aim because people want it to matter that they lived. The millennials said that they want to be heard. Millennials said that they want to be innovators. They don't want to continue more of the same because people want it to matter that they lived. They want to be able to express who they are in their work because people want it to matter that they lived. But the interesting thing about this generation, according to Lynn Lancaster, is that this generation is suffering from over-optimism. That 58% of them eat junk food several times a week. 50% do not get enough sleep. And they said that the top three medications for this generation are birth control, allergies, and antidepressants. They said, if you are born after 1982, you're probably taking one of these three medications. And they said, this is a commentary upon the times and the life in which we are living. That people want it to matter that they lived. And the question is, what does the cross has for us, have for us to answer the question of the meaning in life? And so I take you to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. When you're there, you can say amen. If you're not there, you can just say have mercy. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 2. Are we there? We don't have a lot of time. Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says, commenting on Jesus, after talking about the faithful, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says that for people who are afraid of becoming discouraged, who are becoming weary, who recognize that they have a long journey ahead of them, they have a race to go, the apostle says you should be looking unto Jesus, who you recognize did not choose the cross. Jesus chose the joy that was set before him. The Bible says Jesus endured the cross. He didn't choose the cross, he endured the cross. And what this tells us is that the cross was a means to an end. You see, Jesus found something that he loved more than his own life. And so when the Bible is trying to counsel us on a generation that is looking for a cross movement, it is because the cross speaks to us about a man that desired something so badly that he was willing to be spit upon to achieve it. The cross is a story about a man that says, on my tombstone, when it says, AD 4, dash, AD 31, Jesus says, my life is the dash in the middle, and I want it to matter that I lived. And in order for it to matter, I need to find something that I'm willing to die for in order to achieve.
And so Christ looked at the cross and said, yes, it's painful. Yes, it hurts. But if you and I want it to matter that we lived, the story of the cross is you got to find something that you're willing to be spit upon to achieve. You and I got to find something that we're willing to be betrayed to achieve. You and I have to find something that we're willing to be falsely accused to achieve. You and I need to find something that we are willing to be misunderstood in order to achieve. You and I need to find something we are willing to humble ourselves in order to achieve. We need to find something that we are willing to be mocked to achieve. We need to find something that we're willing to be crucified to achieve. There's a motivational speaker. His name's Eric Thomas. He tells a story about, he says, a business guru who was very successful. And he says, this young man came to him and he says, you know what, I want to be successful like you. I want to make a lot of money like you make. And so the, the guru told him, he says, okay, I want you to meet me at the beach tomorrow. So he came down to the beach in a suit. He walked out and the old man said, come into the water. And as they walked into the water, he was about waist deep. And he was thinking, what is this guy trying to do? So then he says, come a little further. And then the, the young man said, listen, man, I came here to learn how to be successful. I didn't come here to swim in a suit. The old man looked at me and says, I thought you wanted to be successful. He says, I do want to be successful. Then come out a little more further into the water. And when he stepped out and the water began to hit his neck, the old man started holding him under the water. As he was trying to come up out of the water, the man was holding him, holding him until he was about to pass out. And then he led him above the water. And he looked at this young man as he pulled him up and he says, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe right now, then you'll be successful. And the cross tells us, brothers and sisters, that when Jesus was hanging upon the cross and his lungs were collapsing, when he was suffering the wounds of crucifixion, Jesus said, I found something that I want more than I want to breathe. And that something was souls. That something was you sitting in the audience. Can you imagine that the God of the universe, when he humbled himself and he came down and he looks and he says, I have found something that I want more than I want to breathe. Young person today, have you found something that you want more than it is to breathe? There was a famous rapper, I'm not going to say his name because I ain't trying to promote anybody. And as he was coming, they said he was making a movie and then after he was done making the movie, he was over there recording music. Then when he wasn't recording music, he was doing concerts. Then when he wasn't doing concerts, he was writing more songs. And the people looked at him and they said, Listen, when do you sleep? And he said, sleep? He says, sleep is for people who are broke. He says, how can I sleep when I'm so close to fulfilling my own dreams and goals? Brothers and sisters, you see, there's a lot of, some of us want to be godly. Some of us want to see the work finished in this generation, but we don't want it bad enough. You see, some of us, we want to finish the work, we want to see the gospel go to all the world. We want to see our children in heaven. We want to be able to develop a Christ-like character. 
We wanted to see our hometown, our local church on fire for Christ, but we just don't want it as bad as we want to be popular. We don't want it as bad as we want to make money. We don't want it as bad as we want our comfort. We don't want it as bad as Jesus wanted it. Because the cross tells us that Jesus was a man who says, I want it to matter that I lived. And the way that Jesus achieved it was because Jesus had found something that mattered enough to him that he was willing to die to achieve. You see, brothers and sisters, there was a time in GYC when the opening remarks of the conference was, there exists today in the Seventh-day Adventist church an army of young people on a mission for the Lord. They say, I'd like to inform the three ABN audience, general conference leaders, that there exists today. But when I look at the cross and I see the general, I see the one that has led us from victory unto victory, the one that has carried us from generation unto generation. And then you look behind the general and see what is the army that is following him. That how can an army lead an army to victory when the army doesn't have as much dedication as the general? When the general says, let me tell you how bad I want it, I'm willing to suffer crucifixion to get it. I didn't choose the cross, I endured the cross. So young person, have we found something that we are willing to endure a cross to achieve? When you and I find something that we look in our lives and say, it makes us stay up late at night. Let me tell you something, it's time to stop playing these games. A lot of us stay up late playing games on our cell phones. A lot of us stay up late stalking people on Facebook. A lot of us stay up late watching YouTube videos. A lot of us stay up late watching Netflix and all kinds of our favorite television series. When was the last time we stayed up late to study and understand the sanctuary? That's how you know I want it bad enough. More than I want Netflix. More than I want the latest Air Jordans. More than I want to make it into the NBA. It doesn't make any sense that a man that wants to play basketball has more discipline and more dedication than a Christian who is searching for an eternal crown. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but GYC was called to be a cross movement. God did not raise us up to be any other kind of movement except a cross movement. And a cross movement is a movement of young people that have the same spirit that was in Jesus that said, this is how bad we want this. That I'm willing to endure the cross. I don't choose it. Anybody that's been on a serious mission trip knows what I'm talking about. You think I want to sleep on dirt? You think I want to bathe in a creek full of mosquitoes? I don't choose this, but I endure it because that's how bad I want souls. And brothers and sisters, God is looking on the earth right now and God wants to institute a cross movement. He's looking for some young person that says, I want it to matter that I lived. And if we want it to matter that we lived, there's only one thing we need to do. Find something that matters so much to us 
that we wanted more than we want to breathe. I wanted more than I want to sleep. I wanted more than I want to be comfortable. I wanted more than I want to have a nice house. I wanted more than anything. There's a hymn that tells us, I'd rather have Jesus than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world affords today. There's another hymn that says, take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name. Everything that keeps us from going all the way for our Lord that went all the way down to the depths in the abyss of death for us is because we don't want it bad enough. Brothers and sisters, we are not going to enter the kingdom of God by being average. Listen, average people don't become superstars in the NBA. Average players don't become football stars. Average singers don't sell records. And average Christians don't finish the work. So right here, right now, today, you and I have to make a decision. Either I'm going to be average and accept my fate and resolve that it is meant for another generation. Or else we're going to decide in our hearts right now, right here in this room, in this seminar, that, Lord, I found something that I want more than I want to breathe. I found something that I want more than I want a husband or a wife. I found something that I want more to look cool or to be accepted. I found something. And when I found this thing, I can say, listen, brother, when I turned my eyes upon Jesus, <laughs> the things of this world, they grew strangely dim. I can't see anything else because I found something. Have you found something? We are told that success in any line demands a definite aim. And he who would achieve true success in life, you can get all A's and flunk life. He who would achieve true success in life must keep the aim worthy of his endeavor steadily in view. And then the prophet just tells us flat out, such an aim has been set before the youth of our day. The heaven-appointed purpose of carrying the gospel to all the world in this generation is the most noble aim that can appeal to any human being. Sometimes I wonder if we know where we come from as Adventists. The people that come before us. People who starve themselves just to print more tracts. People who sold their silverware just to print a book to spread the sanctuary message. People who took an extra job just to support an evangelist to continue to carry the message. That is our heritage. That's where we come from. There was a time where a person said, you were Seventh-day Adventists, that meant something. Immediately they knew something about your character. 
So now I remember my mother is Jamaican. And I remember the first time I got an invitation to go preach in Jamaica. I was thinking, okay, finally I get to see my people. It was like Moses coming back from the wilderness. And so as I was flying on the plane, I arrived in the airport, went there, and my, my host said, you know, Brother Sebastian, we're so excited to have you. We're so touched that you're able to come and to know that you're of Jamaican heritage. Where is your family from? So we began to exchange, and as we were talking, I said, you know, this does mean a lot to me. And so he says, you know, I want to take you somewhere. He says, because you don't understand, Brother Sebastian, that for every Jamaican boy and Jamaican girl, when they see you on 3ABN, when they see your sermons online, when they hear the things that God has done in your life, it does something to them to know that he's Jamaican too. So I want to take you somewhere. I said, no problem. So he took me to this tree right near the university. And as I looked at the sign, and it just says the name of this monument, and we sat down next to this enormous tree. I couldn't even get my arms around the trunk of the tree. And he says, Brother Sebastian, this is the spot, one of the spots, that when they were bringing slaves from Africa to Jamaica, they would chain them to this tree while they waited to sell them. And so the fact that the bark is missing on this tree, it's because that's where the slaves would try to break free and the chains would rub off the bark. That's all he told me, and he walked away, back to the car, and he left me there to sit. And as I sat and looked at that tree and thought to myself that there was a point in time where there was a young Jamaican boy, a young Jamaican girl, Jamaican mom, Jamaican father who were chained to this tree, treated as property, denied education, denied the opportunity to read, denied the opportunity to pursue life and liberty and happiness. And to know that there, this tree right here what these people went through in order to get to a point where I could even read. And yet, I would grow up and say, I don't want to read. That these people would be denied freedom to choose their own destiny, to live by their own values, their own principle, that their lives mattered, that they were also made in the image of God, that God also had an eternal purpose for them on the earth as well as in heaven and that I would go to waste my life away in just being another average Jamaican boy. Something began to come up in my heart to say, not only do you owe it to your Lord, but you owe it to the slave that was here. To know that what would that slave have done if his chains were struck off and he could read whatever he wanted to read? What would that slave have done if he knew he could marry whoever he wanted to marry. He could choose a career. He could write a book. He could actually stand up and speak and teach. And so Jesus, when you go back to that tree and you sit by that tree, 
and you remember, and I remember as we sit by that tree, the chains, the nails, the spitting, the mocking, the hatred, the collapsing of his lungs, the forsaking of God, and to sit by that tree, remember that when the Lord couldn't breathe, when the Lord said, I thirst, that the thing that kept him on that cross was he says, Sebastian, I wanted you more than I wanted to breathe. How can we treat souls any less? And so, young person, I implore you this afternoon. You say, I came to this seminar not just because I was curious, not be just because I wanted to hear preaching. But if we sincerely came to the seminar to say, you know what? I want it to matter that I lived. Then if you and I want it to matter that we lived, we need to get involved in a cross movement. Because the life that mattered the most... The life that mattered the most is the life that was poured out upon the cross. And that he would actually extend the invitation to us and say, follow me and take up your cross. You don't just take up a cross to take it up. You take up a cross because you found the joy that is set before you. This is not a new phenomenon, and I'm praising God that it's not a new phenomenon. You can take your Bibles. We're almost done. Go with me to Acts chapter 20. The book of Acts and the 20th chapter. Acts chapter 20. The Bible says, are you there? We're in verse 22. It says, and see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. See, Paul understood that I didn't just join a church, I joined a cross movement. And when Paul said, here I am, just like Jesus, going bound to Jerusalem. Here I am knowing that my own countrymen are plotting my death. Here I am journeying down to Jerusalem, and he says, the only thing I know is what the Holy Spirit has told me. And that is that chains and tribulations await me. But Paul says, none of these things move me. Why? That I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry that has been committed unto me from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I was so committed, I found something 
that matter to me so much, I'm willing to die for it. The ministry that Jesus committed unto me. So much so that even if I knew that chains and tribulations await me, none of these things move me. Because I wanted more than I want to breathe. So scaring me with tribulations, scaring me with per persecution ain't going to work. That's when this movement, this GYC movement will become unstoppable. Because the young people that attend the conference have not come to sit down in the pews and listen to men talk. They came here because they represent an ideal in a mindset of thinking that we are an army of young people that have found a cause, that we found a purpose. We found something that mattered so much to us, we're willing to die. We're willing to bring our money. We're willing to dress less than what the modern day world is asking us to do. Because I found something that I want more. You and I sit, and, sit down and think about the money we spend just on going out to eat. If every single person in this room decided for one entire month I will not eat out and the money that I spent on eating out I'm going to donate strictly for evangelism. We would have more than enough money so people wouldn't be saying I'd love to go on mission but there's no, there's no funding. The money would be there. The amount of money we spend on purchasing apps and in-app purchases. And we said, you know what? I'm going to give this money for the work because I found something I want more than I want the latest application or the latest Apple phone or the latest product or the latest shoes or the latest jacket, whatever it is. I believe we live in a generation I call this the upgrade generation. Everything we have, we want to upgrade. Well, you know what, GYC? It's time for us to look at our dedication, to look at our commitment, to look at our financial sacrifices and upgrade. What if Jesus is coming to us this afternoon and says, I'd like an upgrade? This is what you offered me last year at GYC. This is what you offered me in 2014. This year, I'd like an upgrade. So right here, right now, there's no need for me to talk anymore, talk about any other Bible text. It's time to make a decision. You paid your money, you got on the plane, you slept in the hotel, you ate the food. So now what? Jesus is coming and saying, 2015, I want an upgrade. So is there anyone here that says, you know what, Lord, I've been playing games. I've been half-stepping. I've been sleeping. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let no secular rapper out-dedicate me. Who's more dedicated to money than I am to the maker of the universe? So is there anyone here, I'm not going to make you bow your head. I'm not going to ask for any heart-stringing, tugging songs. This is you in your clear and right mind sober-minded this afternoon to say, Lord, I'm ready to be a part of a cross movement. Is there anyone here? Come. You say, Lord, I'm, you can have an upgrade this year. I'm ready to be a part of a cross movement. I'm not coming here to be average, to be another seven-day Adventist. 
to be another GYC. And we keep asking ourselves the question, when will this end? If we are young, then we want it to matter that we lived. I'm not going to die and say, oh, Sebastian was born 1980, dash, this, and you say the dash is your life. So if the dash is my life, what are people going to say about the dash? You say, this girl was sold out to Christ. This girl was wasting on Jesus. She was giving when she had nothing else to give. She was bringing it when she had nothing else coming in. He was going on missions when he didn't even know how he would pay for it and where he was coming home to. That's the God that we worship. That's Jesus. Nowhere to lay his head. The God we came to follow, but we're embarrassed if we don't know exactly where we're staying. And Christ says, you're embarrassed of me? You will deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. Jesus is looking for a cross movement. And brothers and sisters, I pray. I sincerely pray that we did not just come up here out of an emotional stirring, but that deep in our minds and hearts, We've made a decision to say, you know what? I want this more than I want to breathe. And guess what? That kind of dedication is not natural. That kind of dedication has to be inspired. And if you want to be inspired, then go back and look at the cross again. And every time he was spit upon, every time he was suffering to breathe, every time he said, I thirst, every person that mocked him, and remember that what kept him on the cross, he was looking at you. In his heart, in his mind, and he says, you can spit, you can betray, you can forsake. Can you imagine Jesus wanted us more than he wanted the presence of his father? And our response to Christ is to give him less than all. This is what Christ wants. A cross movement. Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, this defining moment this is the moment in which something is going to change on the earth. This is the moment that some historian is going to look back upon and say it was at this particular moment that this young person and that young person and that young person from 30 different countries, all 50 states, they made a decision that began a wave of evangelism, of service, of righteousness that is completely ushering us in to the final movements of earth's history. 
where we decided we're going to be a cross movement. Father, this kind of dedication is not natural. And so help us to always keep the cross before us. That as a cross movement, we said, Lord, I found something that I want more than I want to breathe. I found something that I want more than I want to be comfortable, than I want to be successful, than I want money. I found it. And I'm never going to let it go. I will not fail and I will not be discouraged. Father, it is my prayer that only your spirit can entrench this kind of dedication in our hearts. Only you can give us such a burden for Christ, for his coming, that it keeps us up at night studying his word and praying. Only the spirit of God can awaken it in our souls. This is not a work of the flesh. It is not a work of human effort. This is a supernatural experience. Lord, help us not to leave this altar thinking we're going to do it ourselves. But help us to leave with the counsel that the apostle began us with, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Father, thank you for speaking to our hearts. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at the cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.